Welcome to Speaking of Grace, the weekly message podcast from the Whole Life Church in Orlando, Florida. We're a multi-ethnic, multicultural, and multi-generational congregation committed to our mission of loving people into a lifelong friendship with God. We are committed to our vision of being a church without walls, fully engaged in serving the people of our community. Thank you for joining us as we continue Speaking of Grace. What do we do when we are scared? We say the words. Adonai's words. From the prophet. Isaiah. The prophet Isaiah right? Thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel. Fear not. Come now. I want to hear you sing. I want to hear your pretty voice. Come. Fear not. For I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are mine. That's right. That's the uh, first few moments of the uh, first season, first episode of The Chosen, the uh, first ever multi-season series on the life of Jesus. And one of the fun things about this is unlike um, a movie that you have a, a, a kind of a compact amount of time, to tell a story in a television series, in a series of, you can actually develop characters and grow people and uh, really see some, some arc in the experience. And what becomes fun about that is that as we start getting to know the characters that we have met in the Bible, we get to kind of see some of their backstory as imagined, holy imagination, by the creators of The Chosen. And in this particular clip, we, we meet a young girl who, after this clip, we're going to meet the adult version of this girl. And one of the fun things for me about The Chosen is trying to figure out who's who. I don't know, for those of you who've watched The Chosen, you know what I mean. You'll see some of you be like, I think that might be. And, you, and you're like, but the, the show does such a good job of creating that tension and keeping, oh, well, I, I think, but it might not, but maybe it is, but it is. And so, spoiler alert, if you haven't watched the first uh, the first. Uh, episode of the first season, you should have been here last night. Um, because we're showing the episodes on Friday evening, seven o'clock, all for the next eight weeks after this. Um, and so I'm going to give away a spoiler here. Go, you'll still enjoy the show if you haven't watched it. Go watch it. But basically they give us a little hint. They say that this little girl, it's, so they, they put where this is happening or the year that it's happening and they tell us that it's happening in Magdala. So when I saw that, I was like, I wonder if that's the little Mary Magdalene. But then they play a little trick on you because the older person has a different name. Her name is something else. What is it? Lilith, which, well, we'll talk about that a little bit more later. And so you're seeing her going, but I think that's Mary Magdalene. And it turns out it is. But what I love about it is that Oftentimes in life, we see people doing things that we don't agree with. Things that we say, that's not theologically correct. That's not biblical. And we don't always take the time to think, why are they doing that? You know what I mean? And so the creators of the show, again, this is their imagination. This is not necessarily, this is just them using their imagination. The Bible doesn't say 
that Mary was a little girl who had a dad who got sick and who dies, which is what happens in this, in this, the beginning of the show. But what becomes interesting about that is that historically and culturally speaking, this would actually make sense. One of the problems that you could encounter as a woman in Jesus' time was that if you had no brothers, if you had no male relatives, if your father passed away, you had no one to take care of you. And I'm not saying that women don't know how to take care of themselves because they do. But what I'm saying is in that time, that place, and that culture, they made it so that women didn't have options if they didn't have a man there to provide. And so the options for a woman to keep herself alive and to eat, well, they didn't leave a lot of ones that a good Christian could do, or a good Jew for that matter. And so perhaps it's not surprising that a little girl who lost her dad and had no family found herself working in the sex trade. And maybe it's not surprising that somebody who is abused constantly would suffer from from a lot of mental problems and demon possession. And that's where we find, that's where we find Lilith at the beginning of the story, tormented. And Lilith feels completely worthless. She looks at her life and she thinks, this is, I had a dad that loved me, that loved the Bible, that was scriptural, and yet here I am, nothing like what I know I should be, and yet trapped in not knowing where to go. And through this episode, we start meeting a lot of people that have problems. We run into Peter, or Simon, because the show correctly calls him Simon before Jesus changes the name. We run into other disciples, and we run into Matthew, and we discover that all these people are plagued. They have big problems in their life, which again is very biblical. Matthew is a tax collector. James and John, sons of thunder, bad tempers. We can go through the list. These are not perfect people. But the reoccurring thing throughout this is is kind of Lilith slash Mary's story and these flashbacks to that verse that her dad had her repeat. When we're afraid, we say these words. And if you really, one of the things I love about the, the Chosen is if you know nothing about the Bible, you'll get a lot out of the episode. But if you know something about the Bible, it, is, it will blow your mind when you start thinking about it. And so I'd like to, to help you with some of that mind-blowing today by dissecting the text that undergirds this entire episode. And it's Isaiah chapter 43, verses 1 through 3. And I'd be honored if you would actually say it with me. Would you be willing to do that and just join me in repeating this verse with me? But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel... The one who formed you says, do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you, for I am the Lord your God the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. 
I hope that warmed your heart the way it warms my heart. And I'd like to, to really dive deep into this text with you. So I'm going to take it a couple words at a time here. You ready to go? All right, let's go. But now. I'm like, okay, we could, have, we could have done a little bit more of that. That's, come on, Ken. A conjunction, really? To start things off? Really? So one of the things I really want to encourage you when you read your Bible, um, chapters and verses are artificial. The, the people who wrote the Bible did not put chapters and verses in, okay? In some places, there's natural breaks, and the people who did it, and the people who put in chapters and verses, they're only trying to help us, so I'm not criticizing. I'm just saying, when you read the Bible, it's important that you look at not just the chapter that you're in, but what's happening around it. And so when we see the words, uh, a conjunction like, but now, what that tells me is that what's about to be said goes back to something that was said before, okay? So this verse that we read has something to do with what happened before And that would be chapter 42 of Isaiah. And if you want to look up Isaiah 42 for yourself, I encourage you to do it. I'm going to summarize it for you in the interest of time, okay? But feel free. Please look it up. Make sure I'm I'm giving you good information. Isaiah 42, God excoriates the Israelites. He basically says, you guys are awful. You are doing nothing right. I have spoken to you and you nod your head but you're not listening. I do these huge things in front of you and it's like you're, you say you're watching, but you don't see it. I send fire to get your attention and you go like, oh! And I send water and you're like, oh! I send tribulation your way. You are absolutely not paying any attention to me and you are terrible people. Look it up and see if I'm lying. I know we feel a little uncomfortable when God says things like that. But let's not. Is it possible that that can be true that we are terrible people? But now. But now. With God's condemnation comes but now. But now. But now, O Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. O Israel, the one who formed you. I want you to see what happens. God uses two names for the same person. Jacob, Israel. Let's go back to Jacob. If you're not familiar with the story of Jacob, Jacob is a twin. As he's being born, he's trying to get out before his twin brother. His twin brother is headed out. And Jacob reaches out and grabs his brother's ankle. And so the word, you often hear the the name Jacob said that it means deceiver. And I don't think that's completely accurate. And by the way, I was at summer camp a couple weeks ago and I saw a pastor up front talking about Jacob and saying the name means deceiver. And I fell over because I saw a little boy and the little boy's head droops and, and somebody says to me, oh, his name is Jacob. We can laugh about it, but can we just be honest for a minute? Sometimes that can make us feel pretty low, right? So if your name is Jacob, I've got good news for you. Jacob's a hero of the Bible, okay? And so can you. So can we all. Because the fact of the matter is, all of us are little Jacobs. Grasping. And that's what I think the better translation of that name is. Grasper. Person who's just trying to grasp holding. And, and 
trying to do it myself. I'm trying to grasp and get get it. And in doing so, I'm deceiving myself, thinking that I can take care of myself, but I'm always grasping. But check this out. Oh, Jacob, listen to the Lord who created you. Do you know that God created you as you are? Knowing who you are? Countless places in the Bible say that God created us that he is our creator. And I'm not saying that God created us to sin. That's not at all what I'm saying. But what I am saying is God created me knowing all the genetic flaws I've inherited, all the dispositions that I'm not proud of, and he created me anyway. I created you knowing that you were Jacob. That's good news for me because there's been times where I've wondered why God created me. There have been low points in my life where I thought God made some kind of huge mistake when he allowed me to be born. But now, God says, Jacob, grasper, I created you. I did. I knew who you were and I created you anyway. I created you. Oh, Israel. Now, this is what becomes important. God gives Jacob a new name after he has a, a little wrestling match with the angel of the Lord. And, uh, and he has this wrestling match, and at the end of it, the angel says to him, you've wrestled with God and man and prevailed. And so he gives him this name Israel, which means kind of victorious, way to, you know, to, to overcome. And... But what I, and so what I find significant is about this. So God says, I created you, Jacob, knowing who you are. But then he says, oh, Israel, I formed you. In a wrestling match, God forms Israel. And the word form there in the original language, would, if a person was reading it in the, in the original language and knew that language really well, they would be, have the picture of a potter working on pottery. You know, they take that lump of clay and they work it and they turn it into something else. And so God says, I did create you, Jacob, but guess what, I love you so much, I didn't leave you, Jacob, I started forming you. I started working you. I started creating you to be something more. Not because I didn't love you as Jacob, not because I didn't create you, but because I want more for you. I want you to reach your full potential, that clay, what it can be. That's what I want, I formed you. But now, I'm forming you. You are a complete and utter train wreck. You are a disaster. You are a dumpster fire, but I'm forming you. Do not be afraid. These words are important to be said to somebody who knows that they're a Jacob, who knows they're being formed. And you go back to chapter 42 and you read how God is like, not, you're not living up to things. You are a disaster but don't be afraid. I didn't tell you those things to scare you. I told those things to you so you'd know you needed me. Don't be afraid. Do not be afraid of the one who's there trying to form you, the one who created you, for I have ransomed you. You know how ransoms work, right? The person who's ransomed can't ransom themselves. 
Somebody else has to do it. If you are a billionaire and you are kidnapped and there's a ransom for you, you might be able to use, somebody can use your money to ransom you, but somebody else is gonna have to do it for you. You are not gonna be able to do it for yourself. You have to have somebody else out there to ransom you. And God says, don't be afraid. I have ransomed you. And when did God ransom us? After we had worked enough and shown some potential? No, he ransomed us before he created us. While we were yet sinners, God sent his son. For God so loved a broken and fallen world that he sent his only begotten son. Not when we were good enough, but long before. And by the way, if you think you're good enough right now, you have some sin in your life you need to work out. Because the Bible tells us it's a sin to think that you're, not, that you're sinless. We all desperately need ransoming. No matter how good we appear on the outside, there's a lot that still needs to be worked out on the inside. And guess what? Why have we been ransomed? Because you are mine. Does it ever bother you to hear somebody you love say you are mine? For me, it's a comforting, comforting words. Gives me a sense that I'm worth something to somebody. I belong to them. They claim me. I always joke that I'm always so happy when my kids will claim me in public. (laughs) I love it when my kids say, that's my dad. And God touched a bunch of people that he just got talking about how awful they were and said, but you're mine. But you're mine. But now you're mine. I've called you by name. Calling by name doesn't just mean he said, hey, Ken, come over here. He said, hey, Ken, I know that you uh, don't always tell the truth. I know you have a bad temper. I know, you, I know everything. I know who you are, and, I, know, and I, I called you. I called you Jacob. I called you Israel. I called you by name, knowing who you are. I know you, and you are mine. You are mine. And by the way, all that water and fire stuff in the previous chapter that I was talking about, that I sent floods and I sent fire, let's talk about that. But now, when you go through the deep waters that I sent sometimes, and sometimes you flooded yourself with, and sometimes the devil just did some nasty stuff. But when you go through deep waters, I'm with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you won't drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you won't be burned up. The flames will not consume you. Remember, there were three Israelites who stood up for God, were thrown into a fire, and there was a fourth person that showed up in the fire with them. Jesus. I'm with you in the fire. For I, the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, I'm your Savior. I'm the one that saves you. Let us not forget that water cleanses. Fire purifies. And those who the Lord loves, he disciplines. Verse chapter 42 is not an angry note to a group of people that are disaster saying, I'm giving up on you. It's saying, I am going to keep flooding you and purifying you and sending fire until you're purified because you're mine and I care about you. And you're just doing things that are hurting yourself and those around you. And I love you so much. I want to help you be everything that I know I created you to be. I am with you. 
I know your name. I know who you really are. I know who you are. Jesus is with us on our journey to wholeness. And the good news about Jesus is that in chapter 42 of Isaiah, he says, your, your disasters, your, you're doing things I don't, you shouldn't be doing, your places you shouldn't be. And as we watch this last clip um, from this episode, and it's the way the episode ends, Mary is in a place that she shouldn't be. And far from waiting outside the door for her to come out, Jesus goes in and finds her. I said, leave me. That's not very long. Don't touch me. Oh. Lily. Lily, Lily, are you okay? I, I have to go. Leave me alone. Mary. Mary of Magdala. Says the Lord who created you, and he who formed you. Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You. We often give ourselves a different name than the name God has given us. We accept the names that other people throw at us. We even name ourselves. And in this show, using their holy imagination, they give Mary the name of Lilith, which was a female demon in biblical times. The name Lilith is, would, for somebody back in those times, they'd recognize it as a female demon. And so the show's creators are trying to tell you something there. 
That's how she views herself. That's how the world around her views her. She even calls herself that. But when Jesus shows up, he calls her by name, Mary, which means beloved. You are loved. Whatever name somebody else has slapped on you, whatever name you've accepted, whatever name you've given yourself today, Jesus asks you to take the name he's given you. Beloved, child, his. You belong to him. He has called you by name. If you have been told that you are hopeless, if you believe that you're hopeless, Jesus says, fear not, I created you. I am forming you. I have redeemed you. You are mine. All you need to do is embrace and follow Jesus through the water and the fire. At Whole Life, we practice something called open communion. That means that anybody who's a believer in Christ, we invite to join us in, in, the, in the beautiful practice of communion. If today you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, but you heard him calling your name and you're responding to that call, we want to invite you to participate in communion with us. We want you to use that as a symbol of your choice to believe in who Jesus sees you as, as opposed to what you think you might be. To give Jesus the privilege of transforming your life in his time and in his way. Some of you have accepted that gift a long time ago, or maybe even recently. You said, yeah, I want Jesus to be my savior. I claim him as my redeemer. We still celebrate communion for a reason. It's because we need to be continually reminded that it's a daily decision to follow Jesus. It's a daily commitment. We need Jesus' blood and his body every day. His body that gives us strength to go through the fire and the water. His blood that is the promise of his life in us so that we don't have to fear death because we have eternal life in Christ. So today we invite you to celebrate communion with us because you've been called by name. You have been ransomed by the blood and body of Christ. If you didn't receive a, a little plastic thingy that has a little wafer in it and some grape juice in it when you came in and you would like to participate in communion, I invite you to raise your hand and uh, we have some folks who are gonna walk to you just keep your hands up and I promise somebody is going to get to you. And, uh, and so they're going to bring you those emblems. I want to remind you of what they signify. They signify the God of the universe who became human like us, who went to the cross on our behalf, whose body was literally broken for us who gave his life so that we could choose whether we want to accept that life 
on our behalf. We are not saved because of what we do, but because of what Christ has done. We are not saved because we've tried harder, done better, kept better commandments than anyone else. We are saved because Jesus Christ did everything perfectly for us. And we accept what he has done and then allow him to transform us ever so slowly into his image. So I invite you to participate in these emblems today while this song is going to be, the final song is sung. This is going to be a time of personal reflection just for you. The song that's being sung is a song by Jason Gray called Remind Me of Who I Am. And I pray that as you partake of these emblems, you will be reminded of who you really are to Jesus. I'm gonna say a prayer of blessing for these symbols. Um, And so after I've had that prayer and while the song is playing, you are welcome to take and eat that bread, drink that grape juice at the speed that God wants you to do it at. Take a moment to reflect. Break that bread and, and realize that you had something to do with breaking Christ's body and yet he loves you irregardless. Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our God. We thank you that we are yours, that you have ransomed us. And as we partake of these symbols of that ransom, may our hearts be reverent. May our hearts be turned towards you in gratitude and appreciation. Lord, thank you for your body that was broken. Bless the bread that is about to be eaten. And as it symbolically goes into our bodies, may it remind us that we need you in us to give us strength. Bless the grape juice that symbolizes your shed blood. And as it goes into us, may we be reminded that we have eternal life simply because we have accepted what you have given. We pray these things in your name. Amen. All right, now is the time in the service where we get to respond to the sermon. And if you haven't been here before, or um, it's actually been a, a moment since we've done this, but you can actually submit questions on our website. Uh, just go to the online chat, live, and you can put a question in right now uh, if you'd like to. And so we've gotten some questions from uh, those that are members with us online or visitors even. But, um, uh, but I just want to comment a little bit about uh, the renaming and how it seems like kind of a special thing that happens in the Bible. There's, I w- at first service, I can only think of three where it was um, Jacob to Israel, Simon to Peter, and Saul to Paul. But you actually remind me in this sermon of Shadrach, Meshach, and Mendigo actually had uh, different names. But in all those scenarios, except for maybe Jacob, Jesus was there. Um, so um, I have a two-part question of, do you have to be special to get renamed by Jesus? And do you think Jesus was actually the one that wrestled with Jacob to give him a new name? So um, yes and yes. Yes, all right. <laughs> that was quick. You have to be special. He always tells me I don't answer the <laughs> questions quickly enough, so there we go. That's yeah. Um, so, do, so let's start off. Do I think that it was um, Jesus that Jacob wrestled with? I do. And the reason is because the angel of the Lord says at the end, you've wrestled with God and man and prevailed. And so um, I think that oftentimes when the Bible says the angel of the Lord, it's referring to Jesus. Um, in some Christian circles, that's considered heretical, but in uh, the Seventh-day Adventist faith, that's what we believe. Oh. Um, and so uh, 
the second part, do you have to be special to receive a name? The answer is yes. And the good news is we're all special. Um, and so, in fact, the book of Revelation tells us that all that are in heaven are given a new name um, by God. And so every single one of us will get a new name. A transformative moment maybe is required. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Um, I think... Uh, I can't wait to be transformed. <laughs> I, know. I'm, I'm I, I want of, to, yeah. you know, and that's the part that I, I guess I just say is like, I, as much of a mess as sometimes my life is, it's not for me lacking to want to be different. And I really believe that for most people, that's the same. Most people don't want to, they don't want to create the chaos that they often create. They just, they don't know how to get out of it. They don't, they, there's genetic issues. There's uh, being raised in an environment where you don't know anything different. And so um, I look forward to, to God. Uh, I just tell God every day, anytime you want to do whatever you want to do, do it. And then I flinch every time he tries. <laughs> um, this is a comment from Anonymous. Um, and this, is, this maybe raises, uh, you know, um, something you talked about as well. But often in life we see judge and label ourselves and others oh to look at ourselves and others through jesus eyes and hearts it, it was a comment from anonymous of just how hard is it for us why is it so hard for us to be kind to ourselves sometimes because we see ourselves and we see the the chaos and, and the the dumpster fire that sometimes is our life and and jesus sees he doesn't see the piece of coal he sees the diamond um, he doesn't see us in the rough diamond. He sees us as the piece of coal before it ever even gets diamond phase. And he loves us and knows what we are. Um, he loves us as that piece of coal. And the good news is it's Christ's job to transform. It's my job to, to let him do it. Let go, to accept. Um, we've got a couple questions, but I'm trying, I think we only have time for maybe one more. And both of them are a little bit difficult, so I'm going to try okay, to decide. Okay, well, we may go to podcast then. Yeah, so. perhaps. Um, I looked, I'm going to go with this one that just came in from yeah. Alex, and it says, what is the meaning of Jesus's new name and revelation? So Jesus is given a new name and revelation. I'm not a scholar. I actually am not sure what that new name is. Do you, do you know <laughs> off the top of your head? Oh, I feel, or, or do you um, need to look it up? <laughs> I'd probably like to go ahead and make sure I look that up so I'm not guessing. But um, uh, yeah, I'd like to look that one up. Okay. All right, well, we'll tease that one for the podcast <laughs> and perhaps we can answer this other difficult one now real quick, which is, uh, comes from um, X here. And it is uh, for one to fall in agony for so long in their lives and try to find various ways to help themselves. Why did it take so long for Jesus to redeem Mary what is the purpose? Now, this is a fictional story of Mary, but for people that struggle so long and they cry out to God, uh, what's taking so long? Um, can I, I'm going to ask another question. Since we're talking about the fictional story that, or the holy imagination story, that's the way I'd rather use it, holy imagination story that's there. Why did Jesus walk past everybody else in the bar? At the pool of Bethesda, why does Jesus only heal one person? Mm, mm. So maybe that'll be a great question series. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know why Jesus takes so long sometimes. I just know that his timing's perfect and he doesn't mm. mess up. That's all I know. Master plan. 
perhaps. Yeah. Well, that is all the time we have for right now. I'm being told we're actually over time. So uh, thank you so much. If you um, have any more questions, please put them into the chat. They're actually recording the podcast today instead of Tuesday. So you have a, a more limited time to put your questions into the chat. But the podcast comes out Wednesday morning. It's called This Is Whole Life. And it's available pretty much everywhere that you listen to podcasts. I just platform. don't understand so, why Randy didn't want to come in on Tuesday. Well, it may be a holiday. I would have. Oh, but. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I guess, we can, so I guess we can allow our church staff to have a day off here and there. <laughs> All right, family. I, I hope this has been a special communion for you. One of the other things that we do as Seventh-day Adventists is we practice uh, foot washing. If that's not something you're used to or you're like, what is that? It may seem a little strange or even awkward or weird to you. And I'm going to be honest, it's still awkward and weird even if you're used to it and you've heard of it. But back in Jesus' time, people walked everywhere in their sandals or bare feet, and so their feet would get very dirty. And before they go into a home, they would have a servant or a slave wash people's feet to cleanse them before they walked through the house. And so at Jesus, uh, on the night that Jesus was betrayed, he washed all of his disciples' feet because they'd forgotten to hire somebody to come do it. And he basically said, as your leader, I'm not above doing the stuff that a servant would do. And today we practice this to remind us that none of us are above anything. All of us are here to serve. So if you don't like foot washing, that's fine. I don't either. Because it reminds me that I need to be humble. So I want to invite you. I won't judge you if you don't do it. But we are having foot washing out on the promenade, which is over on this side, outside. I invite you to partake in it. In fact, I'm not even going to greet anybody today inside the worship center. Because I am going to make a straight line out to there. And I'm going to stand there. And if you come up to me and say, Ken, I'd like you to wash my feet, I would be honored to do it. Um, and I will wash as many, I will stay out there until the last person who wants me to wash their feet does it. If you'd like to wash your feet with your partner, with your spouse, or um, with a friend, you're welcome to do that too. But I'd be honored to wash feet today. Um, so, um, and there's, by the way, there's something powerful sometimes to not washing someone else's feet, but, but, just having your feet washed because sometimes we like to, you know, if you give, I've got to give back. So again, um, there is nothing, there's actually something incredibly biblical about just having your feet washed and receiving like Jesus' disciples received. So I'd be honored to do that for you today. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Jesus, we thank you for your body that was broken, your blood that was spilled. We thank you that you know our name you call us by name. You give us the name beloved. That you see us for what we are to you. That you've claimed us, you've ransomed us. May we accept the free gift that's been offered. We pray in your name, amen. All right, family, I love you. Go love your world. Hi, this is Randy McGray, podcast producer and host here at Whole Life Church. Loving people into a lifelong friendship with God is our mission at the Whole Life Church and our podcasts are designed to help facilitate conversations that help us grow together in that pursuit. Now that you've heard the message for this week, don't forget to check out the Whole Life Takeaways for this message. Swipe up in today's show notes and join the conversation. Speaking of conversations, each Wednesday morning we take a closer look at the week's message. That's right, the one you just listened to. We discuss practical ways to apply spiritual lessons and ask honest questions about the issues we face as Christians all focused through the lens of grace. 
Your voice is a welcomed addition to that conversation. We encourage your thoughts and your questions by sending a voicemail or text to 407-965-1607 or send an email to podcast at wholelife.church. You can find everything podcast-related on our website, wholelife.church podcast. And plan on spending every Tuesday evening and Wednesday morning with us as we bring you the Whole Life Church inspiration you love straight into your headphones. Thanks for listening and have a great week.